Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satuna, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Right on. Well, uh, Chelsea, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's really good to have you here. It was really good to meet you. Um, mm. I love your energy. And you can tell a lot about a person by who they hang around with, right? Good energy. Good energy. Good energy. Good people. Yeah, for sure. So please take it away. Tell us your life story from oh. A to Z and to Z. everything in between. Okay. Um, I'm just kidding. You tell us however you yeah, want. Yeah, no, I was like, that's fair. Um, no, I prayed a lot about the process, so mm-hmm. hopefully I don't remember anything I say. Right on. Um, yeah, I was born and raised in Calgary. Uh, my parents are from Nova Scotia. My whole family is from Nova Scotia. It was the only one that was born here, and I'll never forgive them for it, because <laughs> it is, Nova Scotia is the most beautiful place. Mm. It's so laid back, um, and I love it out there every time I go. It's just mm. very calming, very peaceful place. Um, I have an older sister. And um, growing up, life with her was very chaotic. Mm. Uh, she's five years older than me. And so when you're little, like you don't have those connections because five years is a really big difference. Like you're never going through anything at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I was always really jealous of my sister. Um, she's beautiful, long legs, thin. Um, my mom is black and indigenous and my dad is white and mm. my sister got all the color. Like the joke is like, the printer ink ran out for me, so I got like no color, but I tan really well. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's true. Did you say the printer ink ran out? Hundred percent, it did. And my mom is like joked for years, <laughs> and it, now that I've like gotten older and like done more processing, um, my it kind of hits me differently because my mom has been like, if I hadn't been awake when I had you, I wouldn't have thought you were mine. Like that's not my baby; she's white. <laughs> I'm like, you oh married a God. white guy. <laughs> Like, you have to know that, you know, genetics are, are a tricky thing. But there was always, like, a weird sense of identity for me that yeah. I I didn't know that my mom was a different color than I was until somebody asked me when I went to school. Mm. Um, and I always felt very connected to that side of who I was, but didn't feel like I had a right to because I was so light-skinned. Mm. Um, and I always really envied my sister for being um, being dark was gorgeous, started modeling, and I was just like thick and like a tomboy. Um, and I was really, really close to my dad. Growing, I still am close with my dad, but I was daddy's girl. So I was like, started playing baseball at a really young age um, and kind of felt 
I found some solace in that because uh, I used to get in trouble all the time in school for being too loud, being too much, bringing other people into my shenanigans. Um, and my folks never gave me shit for that. Can we swear on here? Yeah, of okay, course. Okay, cool. Just checking. Oh, please do. I yeah. was like, hey, good, because I was like, you won't want to meet with me. I can't. Um, <laughs> It'll make me look way better if you swear too. <laughs> um, yeah, my folks like never gave me shit for it. Mm -hmm. They always, they just put me in things and I and I'm very like lucky and privileged that I had um, the opportunities that I had. Mm -hmm. So I started playing ball at a really young age and I was good. I was just naturally really good at it. Um, got involved in musical theater. I played the clarinet. I sang for years and years. And part of like why I started getting into more things was, um, like I had mentioned, my sister was very chaotic mm -hmm. growing up. And so being five years younger and watching her struggle, seeing how it affected my parents, especially my dad, that was really difficult for me. Um, so I learned very quickly to be a perfectionist and to not rock the boat, to do everything right mm -hmm. and in a certain way. Um, my dad was a police officer and growing, I stole something when I was like, like eight years old and I had to tell him and it was like, I don't think I've ever been that scared even to this day when I had to tell my dad that I stole something. Mm -hmm. And he said, I put people in jail for that. To this day, I've never stolen like a grape at the grocery store, like to test it. Like it just like put the fear into me. Scared straight, like right away. 100%. Yeah. And I was also, I was raised Catholic. Um, and... That was also a really tricky piece of my development because mm -hmm. I really wanted to have this connection with God. Um, I never understood why Jesus was white. That was also something that I was like... That's a really good question. That doesn't make any... And it never made sense to me. When I was little, I was like, mm -hmm. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> but we, I did. I altar served. My dad and I went to church together every Saturday. Um, and we had a priest who was a terrifying human. Mm. He was an incredibly devout man. He was very serious, um, but wasn't a very <laughs> warm individual. So being like eight years old and you have to go like confess your darkest sins to this like very seemingly uncaring man mm. in order to move through and, and have the sacraments and be in God's good graces. And it was a really scary thing. Mm but I wanted it so bad. I really wanted that connection and I wanted um, to be a part of something that was bigger than myself and to know that if I made a mistake, that it was gonna be okay and I was gonna be forgiven. But there was also the lacking piece of, I never knew that I had to forgive myself. That is something that's never taught in Catholicism. It's you talk to a priest and then you do A, B, C, and D for penance and then you're forgiven and nothing about forgiving yourself. Um, so I, have lived in a very strong sense of purgatory for mm. a lot of my life. Um, the Catholic guilt is alive and well, um, even oh, to this day. And I haven't been a practicing yeah. Catholic in yeah. probably 20 years. And um, It's a real thing for sure. It's a very real oh, yeah. thing. It is a very real thing. Um, and I didn't know how to, let, how to move through that either. I went, when I was still in active addiction, I went home and I visited my parents. And I went to church with my dad and I went up to get the like the communion because I was so scared to tell my dad that I wasn't Catholic anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not that I didn't believe in God, I just wasn't Catholic mm -hmm. anymore. And uh, 
I, we still had to wear masks, thank God. So I went up and I like took it and I felt so bad about it. And I like spit it back into my mask. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'll just like take care of that later. But it was just such a, such an odd feeling to like have this relationship that I wanted so bad and felt connected to, but very disconnected to. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it was a very big part of my identity growing up, um, all through school. Um, and I really played on the perfectionist piece and, um, like president of student council, all that stuff. And then my sister got pregnant, um, with my oldest nephew, I was 16 and she told, I was the first person she told and that like seemingly changed her life and that's my life and the course of our relationship. We got really, really close. Um, when she got pregnant, we did everything together. She was 21 and, uh. It was pretty incredible. Like we just spent all summer together. We just had this great relationship, and I was there when like my oldest nephew was born, and mm, it was cool. so magical and mm. like insane. It was so insane. I was like, "Good lord, women are phenomenal." Um, yeah, and I just like I was like, "I am an auntie. Like that is my jam. Mm. That is what I'm supposed to do is just be an auntie, not just be an auntie." But I knew that that was like a very big purpose for me, um, and. Yeah, like my sister did really well. Um, and then she kind of fell off the rails again. Um, and the course of her life significantly changed and thus our lives significantly changed. Um, I didn't know for a very long time that my dad my dad was an alcoholic. Um, I don't really remember my, my dad like drinking a ton when I was growing mm -hmm. up, but my parents always partied. They always, always partied. Um, we always had people over and it was just like a very natural thing. Like the first time I got drunk was at my cousin's wedding. I was 14, mm -hmm. got loaded. The next morning my dad had, um, two Advil and, uh, and a glass of water for me, like in the morning. I was like, okay, thanks. Dodge that bullet. Um, but I didn't drink or do drugs. Like I didn't smoke pot until I think I was 18. Um, cause I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm Catholic and I'm the good girl and I am A, B, C, and D. So when things like start really started to shift in our family, because like we had our shit together for seemingly, I think from, for the most part and for what people could see, um, my sister really started to struggle and that it like really, it affected our family mm. a lot. Um, I ended up moving um, to Lethbridge to go to university and it was kind of nice because I had a bit of a separation. Um, and I ended up, I was dating a guy for a few years and I cheated on him which was like very, that very much so shifted my brain chemistry because I had never cheated on anyone or anything ever. Um, and it was with somebody that I started dating like a very long time previous to that who was, I loved Coke dealers. I went through this like massive love of Coke dealers from like 2003 to 2005. There is a small percentage of people who just fall in love with them. I, I don't we, think it has anything to do with the drugs. Either. No, it had yeah. nothing to do with the drugs for me. I was just like, <laughs> I can change you. Yeah. I can change you. I'm totally. a good girl and I can help you on this path of whatever is happening for you. I was kidding too, by the way. <laughs> Chances are there was some attachment to the drugs. I never did it. Yeah. Oh, you never part. did it once? Nope. Good for you. Because yeah. I was terrified of Coke because my my sister was really into it for a season. Oh, yeah. And so, and it, I saw how much it fucked her up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I can't, I can't go down that road. And I still had my good girl thing going on. Well, so then you might have, you were actually in love with this guy. Yeah, 100%. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. 
He didn't make it to my four the first time, but he did the second. But yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> so I thought it was, I was like, no, we're fine. It's good. Um, yeah, but yeah, I was still like very much so the good girl. And then that happened and it just, I, I got pretty fucked up from that. Um, I hated myself. The guilt was consuming. Um, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I was horrified. Like it really, it really fucked me up. Um, and I started using sleeping pills like previous to that because I was so anxious. Um, I couldn't sleep. School was really difficult. And, and I wasn't doing something that I loved either. Like when I was like the first two years I was in school and I just like couldn't get my head on straight. So I started just taking these over the counter sleeping pills. And I remember like my ex, the one I cheated on, he was like, I don't want you to get addicted because he was worried about me taking them. I was like, I'm not going to fucking get addicted. Like I'm not going to like, that's ridiculous. Well, I sure did. Um, and I always like, I didn't think that it, it could happen. Um, and l throughout like my recovery journey, even like looking at how I drank, like I never drank like a lady mm. ever. It was the first time I got drunk. It was like, I had a Mike's hard cranberry lemonade. My sister's boyfriend at the time said like, let's see if you can drink it as fast as you poured it. And I was like, bet. And it was done. And mm -hmm. I always like binge drank, drank and I was always the shots girl because I wanted to get as fucked up as possible, always. And I thought that that was like a normal thing to do. What would be the point otherwise? Otherwise, right? Yeah. I'm like, even like, yeah, I would go out for drink, but like. The alcoholic in me totally appreciates it. Right? I'm yeah. like, no, like if we're going to drink, we're going to get <laughs> fucked up. And like, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, so I never drank normally. <clears throat> and then there was periods of time where I didn't drink, but I was getting fucked up on pills all the time. Mm -hmm. So I started like with taking all take two a night. And then it progressed um, over the course of about 10 years where I was like taking entire packages of like over the counter sleeping meds, like in a night, like mm -hmm. I could just, I would take 10 when I got home, I would chill out, I would get fucked up and I would take the other 10. How I didn't die is a miracle. I have no idea because that would kill a person to, to take that much. Sometimes I would take more than that. I would take mm -hmm. 30. Um, I alienated myself from everyone and everything. Um, my family really, really struggled. Um, probably 2010 forward, um, lots of stuff with like my sister, custody of her children. Uh, I watched my parents spiral through that. Um, and I was the addictions counselor in the family, mm. um, which is also like ironic and just like <laughs> highlights my arrogance. Like it really <laughs> highlights my ar how arrogant I was because I graduated and I got a degree in addictions counseling and yeah. I'm like, whoa, yeah, I'm going to do this. And so I worked, obviously you can't be an addict can't if be an you addict. have a degree. I get it. hundred yeah. percent. And I was working at some really big agencies <laughs> in this city being a full blown addict and yeah. being like, I'm not an addict yeah. because I didn't use it work. I got up every day and I went to work. Mm -hmm. I got promoted. I had good relationships with the people I worked with. I wasn't an addict. Mm -hmm. No, I was the addictions counselor. So yeah, it's impossible to be both. Yeah, you can't yeah. be. Absolutely not. It doesn't exist. <laughs> doesn't exist. <laughs> and like the shame surrounding that too, oh, right? Like yeah. afterwards and just being, um, yeah, quite, mm -hmm. quite shameful about that, um, that I was trusted with people, um, who are ca like some of Calgary's most vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. And I was a full blown addict and alcoholic. Um, and, and you know what though, like it, it does, it happens. Mm -hmm. right? And that oftentimes mm -hmm. that's how we see how far down we are. Oh, yeah. Right. I know for me it did, like I was a social worker mm -hmm. and 
drop a client off at a at an ADAC meeting and then sit out in the car and then lean out the window puking in the gutter, right? Mm -hmm. While I'm waiting for my client mm -hmm. who's coming out of their addictions thing mm -hmm. to come back because they need help. Yeah. Totally. Right? They need help. Yeah. But there's this guy who's literally <laughs> like leaning out of his car, oh, like heaving over in the curb, like right outside this office. Mm -hmm. Like just thinking, man. This, I got it made. Yeah, like, yeah. they're great. I totally get it. Yeah, like, yeah. cutting back from How could powerful. I be sick? Don't, I'm not sick. <laughs> That's right. Like, I'm just physically sick. But, <laughs> yeah. like, this is fine because yeah. it's not interfering with That's anything. Right. That's right. Ish. Um, it's amazing how long we can hang on to that, eh? It was a solid, I got sober in 2021. So it was over 10 years that yeah. I was in active addiction in the field working. Yeah. Um, Good for you, though, sticking it out. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Because it doesn't take away your experience prior, mm -hmm. right? Like it, it, it actually, it really does work together as, as it's building, right? Towards that bottom. Mm -hmm. It also is helping your, you figure out how to work, mm -hmm. right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. And now being sober and working mm -hmm. with humans and I don't work like frontline. I don't, I don't work in that capacity anymore, but I still do work like in human mm -hmm. services and the ability to see things a little bit differently now and like how aligned it is and the conversations that I can have. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not super open about my recovery um, at work um, mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons, but that I can bring those pieces in also is very yeah. cool. And you know, who knows, I might do frontline again one day because you know, it's wild and I miss it. Well, um, and you never know where your totally. life will take you, right? Totally. That's the whole point of recovery. Exactly. We don't have to know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Sweet. That is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I was in a relationship that I got into in, uh, 2010 and we were together up until 2016. And when we split, like that was a whole other shit show. Um, mm. and I thought that everything was okay because our breakup was amicable and we wanted different things and needed to go our different ways. And Yes, it hurt and I was devastated, but it wasn't like some sort of like huge drama um, or nothing in particular that drove us. Um, well, there were things that drove us apart, but it wasn't like some huge gut-wrenching thing that happened mm -hmm. that led to our breakup. And so I figured I should just be fine. Um, and then my drug use like increased exponentially. My drinking increased exponentially. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to a show one night with my best friend and some other friends and I just fucking, I was loaded and I took off, um, didn't go to work the next day. And she was like calling my job and I was like passed out, mm -hmm. like in my living room. Um, and that was fine. Like I was like, no, this yeah. is okay. I'll go to work tomorrow. It'll be fine. And it was because I was able to do that. I also like being a perfectionist and a people pleaser has served me very well in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that I'm gregarious. I know that one of my superpowers is the ability to develop relationships mm -hmm. and that served me well but also was like a detriment where a lot of people couldn't see what was happening like my mm -hmm. best friend had no idea and we've been we've been friends for over 20 years she mm -hmm. had no idea she knew something was wrong but she didn't know what it was because you were living that separate life 100 percent. Yeah. it was like it's like being a double agent um yeah. and i say that even in terms of like like race, is, race and ethnicity yeah. too, right? Is that I look, I'm white passing. And mm. so the amount of racism and things that I have experienced, um, when people, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And that's the, that's the catchphrase. Mm. Um, it's like being a double agent 
And so I was like that, like, and in my you're like, addiction. whether you know or not, you shouldn't be racist, whether 100%. you're aware. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. I'm like, oh, so God, it's okay for even. you to be racist in front of like seemingly white people. Yeah. But you wouldn't say it in front of anyone else. That's what it's the apology sounds like. The apology sounds like I'm really sorry that it turns out that I offended you. Because, yeah, totally. Yeah. My bad. Because yeah. you're not as white. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jesus, man. It's been, yeah, it's a trip. It's a total trip. And as a white person, like, I have no idea the depth of that, like, the trip, right? Like, yeah, it, it's fucking painful, though. Mm-hmm. And to, like, the guilt that comes along, like, that I have because mm-hmm. of my white passing privilege is huge mm-hmm. because I know that I will never know or never experience things the way other people do, other yeah. black and indigenous people do. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of guilt over that, and that's something that I that I work through, and I... That's why I'm like, okay, I have this like superpower of being a double agent in this mm. way that I can, I can make change and I can be part of a solution and so, a part mm. of something bigger than myself because I, I am white passing. So how mm. does that, it's just like, that's a whole navigation thing in itself. Trying to figure out how to best use that kind of privilege is what Absolutely. you Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think 100%. it's whether white passing or white, we have to figure that out. Totally. Right? Yeah. How totally. best we can give back. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a wild, it's wild. Um, it's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane how racist the culture is. Like, it's insane. And the fact that Canada just doesn't think that it's racist. Um, yeah. And they just compare it to the United States. And I'm like, mm. we need to do some serious uh, yeah. serious work here, folks. So, yeah. yeah. Luckily, there are some good people doing serious work. Yeah, absolutely. it does need to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm educated, right? Mm-hmm. And the my education did not bring me that kind of education. Oh, yeah. No. Which bothers me a lot because mm-hmm. you go through the process of going through courses and stuff like that, but yeah. there's nothing. And I was, unfor- I was raised in, the, in California, mm-hmm. so down there it's even worse. Like the, they, they actually teach history as though the indigenous people were conquered. Mm-hmm. That's how they teach it. Yeah. So you're learning that, and so they don't tell you about the boarding schools down there, mm-hmm. up here, the residential schools. Mm-hmm. We didn't know about that. Yep, because what would happen obviously the system would have to change sooner, right? And, and it's, it's baffling to me just how, I don't know, I guess ignorance and, um, and fear and hate just kind of live, right? Like they live just like love does, I mm-hmm. guess. But yeah. anyway, I'm sorry. No, I've no, I appreciate got... it. It's a good comparison because we didn't know either. My mom, yeah. growing up in like small town Nova Scotia, um, the black loyalist, like one side of our, our family on my mom's side came up um, were free slaves that were loyal mm-hmm. to the British. And so there were black loyalists that came to Nova Scotia in mm-hmm. 17 something. Sorry, mom, I don't remember. Um, and then the Mi'kmaq like really came in to support the black mm-hmm. loyalists. Cause they're like, okay, here we are. What do we do? How do we, do we farm what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- that relationship was so close and like, yeah. and linked that like, we had no idea that there was like, like my great grandmother, um, was like full Mi'kmaq. Like we had mm-hmm. no idea. Cause it was, my mom said like, we always thought everyone was black. Like we had mm-hmm. no idea, but it's so um, closely linked. It's really quite beautiful yeah. actually. But uh, but yeah, like my mom still, same thing. No idea there was residential mm-hmm. school. My husband is from the Northwest Territories and he's like, I went to school with kids that were like boarding school kids yeah. that he's like, and that was just how it was and we didn't know. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, and obviously we weren't going to be told the real history. Absolutely not. Right? Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. There was no intention of that. Mm-mm. When we started finding the bodies of those children, that changed everything. Yeah, absolutely. And thank God for that. Absolutely. Those poor goddamn kids. Yeah. 
And yeah. there's so many that they're still finding that we don't hear about. I know. It's a whole other. I know. I'm in my arson era. I just want to Are you? On fire. I don't. I don't blame you. Like, <laughs> and I'm not like reactionary, really. But like, obviously, this is emotional stuff, and um, it. it I think it does require some sort of response, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think like that's the, our hearts, the majority of us really want to burn stuff down, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I mean like buildings like we're in potentially, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and I get why. Mm -hmm. And, and when, when, the, when churches were getting lit on fire, I was like, yeah, I get it, man. Yeah. Like people were all up in roars. I'm like, what the fuck did you think people were gonna do? We fucking lied. Not only did we fucking lie, but we made people think that that never happened. Mm -hmm. So, like, what do you think people are going to do when they start figuring out, oh, fuck, mm -hmm. they just put them under the goddamn ground. Yeah, yeah. anyway, I'm sorry. It's no. like the Catholic Church, man. I could go <laughs> off, and it's just, like, like it hurts my heart church. so uh -huh. much. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm a survivor of child abuse, too, mm -hmm. so, like, that kind of stuff is... Um, is just awful, mm -hmm. like the shit that the church pulled off. Yep. And not just the Catholic Church yep. either. So in all totally. fairness, yep. the whole Christianity-based Abrahamic things are difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because like my dad really struggles. Like my dad's a you know a white man. He's a boomer and mm. like his and a very like staunch Catholic. And for him, it's like it's still very hard for him to like wrap his head around. And yeah. and I'm like your wife and your children and are like part of this mm -hmm. and he's still just like very, and he is the kindest, most loving yeah. man on the planet. And it is so hard for him to like wrap his head around and admit that the Catholic church like mm -hmm. did these things. Yeah. Like it's really difficult. So yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, but we have good conversations about it. Um, well, it's nice that you can have the combos totally and, and try to help them. Right. Yeah. And totally. to understand, cause it's really tough, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I like I didn't know, Growing up in California, I didn't know that. Uh, God, I'm getting I'm so emotional today because I did this funeral this afternoon. Mm -hmm. It was yeah, just such a such a strange day. Um, but I didn't know that, like some of the neighborhoods in LA, they were purposely drove black people into those neighborhoods mm -hmm. so that they could isolate them, mm -hmm. right, and create the poverty. Like growing up, they don't tell you that, right? They don't. Not. They don't fucking give you the the good the the real goods. They make you think. And this is part of the trouble, I think, in Canada, too, is because they make you think, as they're teaching you, they make you think that those folks chose to do exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. that, and that's what they tell you, mm -hmm. right? And when you're taught history um, about the culture conquering other cultures, that's the same thing, mm -hmm. right? And I know now we call it, I think it's called whitewashed history, mm -hmm. right? Which is obviously whitewashed. Yeah. Um, but it's so important to change that education, but it's not going to happen. Like, I, I mean, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here. I'm sorry I like, for interrupting I you. I know, and apparently <laughs> I do too. I like, apparently I my them. dad was a minister and I'm his son. <laughs> I could just blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's like, uh, we just weren't given that information. No. And so now trying to absorb this new information for some people, boomers probably harder than Gen X. Yeah. Um, because it really does seem hard mm -hmm. to make that adjustment. So I assume it's because of that extra 20 years of, of um, uh, brainwashing, yep. right? Oh, like, 100%. Um, and that's the only thing I can yet? call it is brainwashing, right? Yep. Because it's not, it doesn't feel, it's not genuine. Mm -hmm. It's not the real deal, right? Like, anyway, okay, back to your story. <laughs> Sorry, I, select few. No, I am I coming it. back to like, you, I swear. I feel it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, 
I was like, on that. Um, it's interesting because I, I just finished the series Dope Sick. Mm -hmm. um, it's phenomenal. It's on Disney Plus um, about like the how the opiate epidemic started in mm. the in the United States and um, <coughs> Florida. <laughs> oh, sorry, Florida. <laughs> it's pretty wild. So I, yeah, just but it just it shows like that systemic. Um, like the systemic racism and mm -hmm. how they talk about addiction. It's like, if these people were gonna get addicted, they already would have been addicted because there's a gen like, it's genetic. And I'm like watching this mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my God. It just the narrative around it is so wild to yeah. me. And now there are these billion dollar pharmaceutical companies that are killing people. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so grateful. I know if I found opiates, that would have been it. Yeah. That yeah. would have been it for me. Because the... It was close for me, for sure. Yeah, I was, if I, yeah, yeah it, uh, I know I would have loved them, absolutely mm. loved them, and that it would have been over. Yeah. Um, when I really started, like, using the pills quite hard, I was a program lead of, um, of a building, and I wanted this building so bad. Like, it was permanent supported housing, I was, mm. like, really excited about it, harm reduction, I was like, this is going to be wicked, and I was so... I was so fucked up and I was just looking, I'd like had the breakup. I was looking for something mm -hmm. to fill this hole or holes mm -hmm. that I had um, in my body. And I wasn't like, and my everywhere. And I wasn't really speaking to my family at this time. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was really, really struggling with his alcoholism and that broke me mm -hmm. um, because I really, I had the, my dad on a pedestal. I was like, I don't want to say hat because he's still there. Mm -hmm. um, on this on this pedestal, um, which my mom has said to me for years, you know, like Chelsea, you need to take your dad off that pedestal. And I'm like, I can't. Like he's just, I'm like he's just always like, dad's always been there, mm -hmm. come hell or high water, and uh, always supported me. Um, he's the first person I would talk to about anything, um, and I'm so grateful for him in that relationship. Um, because he's just, yeah, he's my favorite. So it was really hard to watch him struggle and uh, watch him hurt, mm -hmm. especially over things that were happening with my sister. And so I resented her so much more, mm -hmm. um, watching her destruction and how it affected um, all of us. Mm -hmm. So I really distance, I love to isolate, right? I love to, that's my solution for things is I can just step back and just not be into it so I don't have to feel it. Um, because I know I feel things at an exponential capacity. And so I really try to push it down a lot of the time. Mm. Um, I was always told I was too sensitive and I cried too much and all of these things when I was younger. And it's interesting because if you, when you hear that enough, you learn to shut it off. Yeah. Um, and I learned to shut it off that it was really, really hard for me to cry. Mm. Um, my sponsor got me to watch, I don't even know how he did this, um, got me to watch The Green Mile. And mm. I'd never watched it before. And he's like, if you need a good cry, just watch the green. Damn it. And I was like, I am green not watching mile. this. And then I was staying at a friend's <laughs> and she lives outside of Calgary. She has a farm. So I'm by myself in this house watching the green mild, like hyperventilating, <laughs> sobbing. Like yeah. my eyebrows aren't on, my eyelashes are half on. Like I was a mess. It was a mess. And I was like, fuck you. I can't believe you made me fucking watch this. It's like, you feel better? I'm like, yeah, kind of. Like, you were right. It's not about being right. It's about having a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you. He's like, you can cry. Yeah, uh, right? Because <laughs> it was really, really hard for me to do that. Um, yeah. I learned to push it down for quite a while and then found drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I, I bartended at um, some outdoor festivals in Calgary and I didn't drink this one night. And usually when I'm at those, and I've been doing it for years, I would get like blackout. And I knew that I had to, I had to drive home. So I think I had like a beer and uh, I got home, got fucked up on my pills. And I, uh, my room was in the basement and I went to shut the door and I fell down the stairs. Mm. And how I didn't die or break my neck or break anything is by the grace of God, 100%. Wow. They were super thin stairs, yeah. they were wood. There was like a lip on them. I hit my head. Um, and I landed, and I landed like like this. So how I didn't break anything is a miracle. My dog was hilarious. He grabbed his phone, jumped on the bed, left me there. I was like, thanks, bud. I know you're tired. He's like, you good? Cool. And yeah. You're breathing, right? That's fine. You're breathing? Yeah, great. Um, and I, I didn't tell anybody. Like I was like, oh, I fell down the stairs. Mm. Oh, I slipped. And But there wasn't like the real truth yeah. around what happened. Um, and I really wasn't doing well. I wasn't doing my job well for mm. you know the first time probably in my life. And... I was given an option that I um, either go to another position or I leave the agency. And yeah, I didn't like either of those options. So um, I ended up going to like a totally different department, which mm -hmm. is, that was God. Mm. 100%. Um, he was like, this is where you need to be. Um, a very good friend of mine. Um, wasn't my very good friend at that time, but she knew who I was and I knew who she was because we'd both been in the game for a really long time. And um, she was like, no, I would love you to be here. Like, come work here. And I was still using up until probably a year, about a year after that is when I stopped. Um, and I started dating my husband around that time as well when I got this new gig. Mm -hmm. And things started to shift. I was working with some really beautiful people that are my family. They all showed up to my last cake and I had, mm -hmm. I didn't tell any of them and they all just showed up and I'm like sobbing. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, that's just, sweet. It's they're beautiful, beautiful people. And I, I was there. I went there so I could have love and support around me mm. in a way that I'd never experienced before. Um, and I know that that's God put me there for, for that reason. And we're still like, all of us are super close and, but nobody knew then about, you know, my use. Um, I started drinking after I quit. Um, I quit using the pills. I was like, I really need to stop doing this. Mm. The amount of agreements that I made with myself of, I'm going to stop. This will be, and I always did it when I was fucked up. I never did it like. So it was like these sobering moments of being like super high or fucking. I'm just like, I'm, I like that. The sobering moments of being super fucking yeah, high. Totally. The sobering <laughs> moments of being super fucking high and being like, okay, here we go. Um, like I'm going to change this tomorrow. And it was, it was always tomorrow. It was always the next yeah. day. And I, I don't know what happened. I don't quite remember what the click was, but I told my husband, partner at the time, I was like, this is what I'm doing. Mm. And I need to tell you because if I can't do it by myself. And so in essence, I was making him my higher power. Mm. Um, that I'm like, if I'm accountable to you and you know about it, then I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And then alcohol came in like a wrecking ball. And I knew, I remember being like, Oh, like I'm drinking a little bit too much. Like that's a little mm. odd and not super like me. And but I wasn't going to be like my dad. Mm -hmm. um, but I started drinking quite a bit more. Uh, the pandemic hit and then the wheels came off. Yeah. 
Um, that was an insane time for everybody. Um, I cannot imagine drinking at that time. Yeah, it was Ooh. it was wild because it was like the only thing to do. And I was always like quite fascinated with like, like so many things are closed, but the liquor stores are open. Yeah. And Essential services. Stumbling. <laughs> Right. Like stumbling distance from my house. Oh yeah. So I'd get, you know, I'd buy a bottle. Like gin was gin was my jam, but I'd I'd buy a bottle and then I would like have a I would get like a pint of fireball or whiskey and drink that on the two blocks home and you know, and then get into it. And uh <laughs> and only then an alcoholic would say and then get into and then it. Get I love into that. It. Like, that was I love my, our language. Right. <laughs> it was just my pregame. I, I would have a Mickey. And then I would get into it for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, and I was going to Nova Scotia to visit my <laughs> folks. And I'd already, like, I had the, the trip booked beforehand, um, before the pandemic started. And I went home and I'm like, okay, I'll be there for three weeks. I'm not going to drink. Because I, I wanted to be respectful of my dad. Um, and I didn't really, dr I can't even remember the last time I saw my dad actually have a drink, but I've seen him inebriated. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, I'm not going to drink when I'm home. And so I drank, but I would do it in the bathroom mm -hmm. or I would have like solo cups that, you know, you couldn't see through my sister. Like, I'd be like, oh, can we just like stop by the liquor store? She's like, yeah, sure. Blah. And then I would just go outside and I would mm -hmm. do a lap and, and I would drink. And, and I, I, I remember having like this sense of like shame and guilt around it, but I'm like, it's okay. I can stop when I want to. Mm -hmm. And I really thought that I could. I really thought that I could stop at any time, but I just, I was home and mm. was with my folks and okay, I'm not sleeping very well, like all of these things, all of these excuses. Um, and then I remember coming home, like coming back to Calgary and it, that's when it like really kicked up. Mm. It was like a two, six a day. Um, I was miserable at um, the job that I was at. Um, there was a whole bunch of changes that were made, so I wasn't like working with like my family anymore. Um, and then I ended up going to work at a treatment center. My mm -hmm. friend who had brought me into this other uh, position, the one who was just like, "Yep, yeah, like let's let's work together," um, brought me over to this this treatment center to work. And I fully believe I'm like she's my angel. Like mm. God has put us together for. Like she saved my ass so many times, and I've I've said that to her. She's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, no, you did though. Um, they're the best kind, the like ones the that don't even know they're doing it. Exactly. Eh? Yeah. It's like she's a saint. She's totally. Um, yeah. She. I was like, hey, cool. I'm gonna work at the streaming center. I was super excited about it. Getting fucking wasted every night. Mm. I wrote myself a fucking note. The sobering moments being drunk. <laughs> wrote myself a note in my phone. Do, and I still have it, just as a reminder, like, just remember you work at a treatment center, have tea when you get home instead. Like, are you kidding? Like, no, I, it was bonkers. Like at two, six a night, I would, I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to drink during the week. Then I was drinking during the week. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to different liquor stores because I didn't want the one by my house. I didn't want them to think I was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think I was, I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. One sign we might be an alcoholic. Yeah. Like actually. Might be. Might, might be. be. Possibly. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm the addictions counselor. I may be C and D. Um, and I would make, like, I remember having like apology coffee ready for my husband because mm. I wasn't sure who I was the night before. Yeah. Like I'd like, like shamefully sneak into the bedroom and be like, morning, was I a fucking bitch last night? And he'd be like, yeah, actually. I'm like, shit. 
Um, like the amount of times that he came and like, I would be passed out in the bathroom or on the kitchen floor and he would just bring me a pillow. And, uh, and he really struggled. Like when I, when I came to that, he was just like, I don't think you're an alcoholic. Um, because the narrative and what people are taught and what we're yeah. taught is that it has to be so extreme mm. in order to get help. And when it is super extreme, the ability for people to access help is so mm. slim. It's so, so slim. So I think like the functioning alcoholics and addicts, like we're fucking dangerous. We are mm. a dangerous crew of humans because we really fly under the radar in a lot of instances and people don't, some people will see it. Like if you mm. are an alcoholic or an addict, you can see it. But other than that, like we just, we fly under the radar. Yeah. Um, so I had this like insane God shot. Um, I remember being so grateful to wear masks at work because I was like, nobody can smell my breath or smell the gin from the night before. Mm. Um, I was like, I don't feel hungover when I come to work, which is also was a bit concerning. I'm like, I can drink a two six and not feel hungover the next day. Mm. And I, I was like, well, I'm not hungover, so it's fine. Um, and then I, I was asked to do something to stay for, uh, to like work extra for this human. And I had never said no to anything at work. I was always, yes, I can do it. People pleaser, yes, yes, yes. Mm. And I, um, I had this, like, it was like a slight hesitation because the first thought in my head is I can't drink tonight. And I ended up not having to stay, but it like stayed in my head and I was really emotional. And I had said to one of my friends that I had worked with, I was like, no, I'm just like worried about my dad. Like, that's what this is. Mm. That's, this is where this is coming from. I'm just worried about my dad. But it was about me that I was, I was like, I am not okay and I'm going to die if I keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I look at pictures from back then and I was so sick and I, I shudder to think where I would be now um, if I hadn't gotten sober. Um, I still bought a bottle that night. I went home, drank most of it, got into bed. Asked my husband, I was like, I need you to do me a favor and I need you to go pour out that bottle hmm. because I'm not going to do it and I need you to do it. Um, and for what, and I'd, I'd poured out bottles before, but this stuck. This was, this was different. Um, and I think what the difference was, was working um, at a place that really believed in 12 step. Hmm. Um, and seeing a different way. Cause I'd never like, yeah, you talk about 12 step, but I'd never experienced it before. Um, I had so much shame and so much guilt going into work, not, I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to say anything. I had, I felt so guilty that I'm like, I'm helping these people and I'm a fucking disaster mm. and that's not fair. Um, I ended up going to Glenmore group um, because that was the only group that I, I knew. Um, and I remember sitting, I had like fluorescent yellow hair at the time. And I remember trying to sit in the back, trying to blend in. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to see me. And I actually saw the sponsor of one of my clients. And I was like, oh my God. And I didn't, like, I didn't raise my hand when they asked if like there was anybody new. Mm. Um, and then I was asked to share with the, the girl with the yellow hair. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I had said like, I don't know if I'm an alcoholic. I don't, all I know is that I'm really fucking scared mm -hmm. and um, that my life is just going to get exceptionally worse. 
And uh, she was the woman who was the sponsor. She was the first person who jumped up to go sign her mm -hmm. name um, for like a list of ladies from the room. And, and I never forgot that. And I told her about that the last time I saw her. I was like, I will never forget that. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most like beautiful moments of humility for me that I've, that I've ever experienced. It was like really quite beautiful. Um, yeah, so I did that. I went to the meeting, um, phoned um, one of my best friends who's very familiar with the program. She's, um, her daughter is an alcoholic and so she is very familiar with 12 step. Um, she came over and I was like, I think I have a problem. And she was like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she knew, she knew for years. Mm -hmm. um, her daughter actually said, I've known, I've known them for quite a while. And I picked her up from school and she'd asked her mom, she's like, is Chelsea an addict or an alcoholic? Mm -hmm. And Barb's like, no. And she's like, are you sure that she's not? Like, are you like really sure? And this kid, mm. she's smart. She's a smart little duck, this one. Well, and we can smell our own. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really wild. Um, but yeah, I was drinking and drinking. Mm. I remember Barb called, she said that I had like an addict personality or something like that. This is like the, and I was super offended that she said that. Because I was like looking into a mirror. I was like, I don't want people to know that I'm, that I'm doing these things. Um, and I, I think that uh, I went to Garnet that night because that was like where, her, where she took her daughter. And she's like, I'm going to take you to this room. And I was like, okay. And it was a Friday at 8.30. So it was packed. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh. And again, <laughs> tried to like sink into the wall with like my fluorescent hair. And uh, it's funny because my sponsor... I had another sponsor before he was my sponsor, but he had, he had shared and my friend just kept looking at me every time he would say stuff. And I was like, <laughs> stop. And I was like, okay, yeah, this mm -hmm. is fair. Okay. We have a lot of the same things in common in terms of our drinking and not thinking that we were alcoholics and all of these things. And we stayed buds for, you know, like the first like year mm -hmm. that I was sober. And I was like, are you be my sponsor, please? Um, because I wanted what he had mm. and how he knew the book and knew the steps. Cause my, my first time going through, um, and I, my step one was like devastating, um, and really beautiful at the same time. And I realized it when I went for a walk with a good friend of mine and was like talking to him about my drinking and like my use. And I was like, I'm a fucking alcoholic. Holy shit. And my husband really, really struggled with it for a long time. He's like, I don't think you're an alcoholic because you go to work every day. And I was like, oh no, like, mm -mm. no, I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. um, because when we get down to like the powerlessness over it and the unmanageability, um, I didn't think that my life was unmanageable, mm -hmm. but it certainly was unmanageable. Um, and looking at the amount of times that I tried to stop um, and I couldn't do it by myself and all of my behaviors. It was, it was, step one was like, it was kind of a breeze for me mm -hmm. at that point. Um, I was like, mm, yeah, I'm good. Um, but also like a gift, right? Like to mm -hmm. be in a room with other people that I'm like, holy shit, these people know mm -hmm. me. And they're saying things that are me. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt on the, like an outsider. Yeah. Always. Like, I, I've never felt like I fit anywhere. Um, and that has, like, really fucked me up in my life because I, 
I can mold myself into different mm -hmm. places. I'm a very good chameleon. And I felt like I fit with these people. And I was like, I'm not the only person who thinks this shit. I'm not the only person that has gone through life like this. Mm -hmm. And it was a massive blessing. And I like got right into it. I got right into service. I started chairing. Um, it was like, like three or four months in, I started chairing a meeting. Um, I was like always down to do like whatever anybody needed me to do. And it felt good to do something outside of myself. Mm -hmm. um, the yeah, God, you're no longer alone unless no, you want to be, right? No, a hundred percent. And I struggle with that too, yeah. right? Where I, I, love to, I love to be alone and I love to push people away. Mm -hmm. And I love to think that I don't need to go to a meeting. Um, <laughs> and I tell people like that I've like met like quite a few like newcomers and stuff. And like, I'm like, when you really don't want to go to a meeting, that's probably when you should go. And then I'm like... Apparently you've told her. <laughs> and then I'm sitting at home being like, let's watch an episode of Bob's Burgers. Like, maybe you should get your ass to a meeting. Um, but I, I love to think those things, right? Um, and the God thing really scared me. Mm. The God thing really, really scared me. It's pretty scary shit, though. It is. Like, like really, yeah. if we break it down, it's pretty scary. Yeah. It like, is, especially coming from like, I'm like, I don't know who this God is. Yeah. But a cool thing that also happened, like God has shown up so much in my life that I wasn't aware of or I didn't want to admit. I know that there have, there have been things that have happened in my life where God was trying to be like, I need you to pay attention. I need you to pay attention. And I was just like, oh, that's weird. And, and I, and I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and I look back on those, those times and those moments where I just like, I wasn't open to it. Um, but when I was working at this treatment center, they were watching the shack and I was so blown away by it. I was sobbing through the entire thing where I was like, I didn't know God could be like that. Mm. Is that what God is? Is that what God is like? Because for me that, that wasn't the case. Um, and that was, that was huge for me. That like unlocked a piece of my brain around this idea that I was, what I was, I was told or brought up to believe um, wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily what God was. Um, and I didn't know any other way. So it was just a very, like a punishing, a punishing thing. Religion was very punishing. So, and I really didn't want it to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was really grateful to have had that experience. Like I went to this, I went to this job to get sober. That's why I was supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember it was my time to leave there. Um, and I remember praying about it. And a, and a friend of mine who has like 20 years, I was talking to her and she had said, say the step three and the step seven prayer before you go to mm -hmm. work today. Because I was like, I need to get out. And she's like, I know. And so I'm like reading them off my phone. I'm like, okay. And I remember feeling this like insane sense of calm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to quit. And I'm going to be okay. And so I did. And that was like one of the scariest things I think I've, I've done, um, but also knew that I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And hadn't, I was like, oh, is this step two? Like, I didn't also didn't get that. It was like a decision also, you know, like mm -hmm. step three, like really like blew my mind. Like I had come to believe in a power bigger than myself, I think a very long time ago, but it just got rekindled for me mm -hmm. um, because I needed to know that, that he was there. I just, I needed, I needed some proof that he loved me just as I was. 
um, that everything that I did said or otherwise was, was okay. Um, and that I'm insanely grateful for. Um, step three was a little harder. Um, I still really, really struggle with turning my will over and I did not get it my first time through my steps. I really struggled. And my sponsor was like, it's a decision. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like I need something concrete. Mm -hmm. I need to know what this means, what this mm -hmm. looks like. And I just, I didn't, I didn't have that, um, experience my first go around. Mm -hmm. uh, but I heard somebody in a meeting say that they made like a God box. And so every time that they were worried about something or something came up for them, they wrote it like on a piece of paper and put it in this box. And I was like, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like something like I need something tactile that I can mm. do. And now like it's, it's easier for me um, to know that like generally the things that I want to do, my first instinct isn't always the right thing to do. Mm. And so for me, when I turn my will over, that's a pause. A lot of the time, um, it's a huge pause because I am very sharp tongued. Most of us humans that are like very nice and bubbly can be fucking assholes, like in a mm. flip of a switch. Um, that is certainly the case for me. And so I have to be, it's gotten me in trouble a few times, mm -hmm. especially with my husband. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I make amends a lot. Um, yeah, it was like that, that it's a pause for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't do it all the time. I'm never going to do it perfectly. I try to, cause I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a, yeah, it's a trip. Um, mm -hmm. I did my second, uh, step four, not that long ago. Um, and I, I sat on it. And if that is like the one thing that I wish that I not that I didn't do, but I would discourage just sitting mm -hmm. on it. And I like, I am given the opportunity and the dignity of my own experiences to figure it out, mm -hmm. um, which I'm grateful for because I love sitting in my shitty diaper and I love like sitting in, I want to suffer. Of course I do. Well, at first it's warm in the diaper. Mm -hmm. It yeah. just takes a while. Then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, yeah. What's that fucking smell and why is it cold? <laughs> yeah. Not, <laughs> why is it cold? Yeah. Yeah, I love to. I'm like, this is the best. Because I always feel like I need to suffer for things. And and I'd already done it before. So, mm. like, what was the big the big deal? But I sat on it for too long because there were certain things I didn't mm. I didn't want to get into. And I knew there were certain things I didn't I didn't share in my first four. because um, I knew I wasn't I wasn't ready and I wasn't supposed to yet. Mm. So more will be revealed. Um, you know, I did my four, I did my sex conduct over again, I did everything over again, and I went to the mount. And that was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. Mm. Um, there was a, I love animals so much. Like people, like at work, they're like, hey, do you need anything? I'm like, yes, an English bulldog immediately. Like mm. that's always my response. Like <laughs> I love animals so much. If I could live on a farm, that, that's my goal. I'll be mm. there one day. Um, but there was a cat there, this resident cat. Cause I was like, where am I? And this beautiful cat was there and he just like came down and said hi and rolled around. And I was like, okay. And I was like, thanks. I needed mm -hmm. that. I needed that little, that little reminder. Um, and it was being able to spew all my stuff and also hear myself. And I'm like, 
<laughs> where I had like out loud I had said and it was so funny I was just like I resent my sister for being darker than me mm. and she was like what <laughs> I was like I know it's ridiculous mm. and I have like she has no control over it I have no control over it but I resent her and she's like okay mm. but she had like given me like a lot of like amazing insight around because I'm like my part was like easy on some and not mm -hmm. on others. Um, but in terms of like part of the reason the friction with my sister and I is so much and has been over the years is because like we have a lot and we're a lot alike mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And I'm like, no, we're not. Absolutely not. My sponsor had said that to me too. He's like, I can't wait to meet your sister. You guys are so much alike. And I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> but we are like, of course mm -hmm. we are. But I was able to have that insight and, you know, to be told, like, I'm manipulative and I'm judgmental and I'm critical. Like, all of these things that are my mother, essentially. I love my mom. Love her to pieces. But these pieces about her that drive me bonkers, mm -hmm. I do that. <laughs> I do all of it. Um, and it's been an insane journey over the last few weeks, especially like I've done my, my six, seven, which I like could not get my head around the first time around as well. The 12 and 12 is a phenomenal resource for that. Agreed. Oh, it's the best. And I had a different, it's like a different set of like new eyes, like mm -hmm. doing it my second time around and the insights that I had because my relationship with my higher power is exponentially stronger. Mm -hmm. Like I pray every morning. I don't do my readings every morning. Sorry. But I, I have that connection mm -hmm. and we talk every morning and I have those moments. Even when I yell, like yell at somebody when I'm driving, I'm like, sorry, because I have a different relationship, um, which I'm insanely grateful for. Um, and it's also one of the, like the willingness <laughs> It's hard because I'm like, yeah, I'm willing. And God's like, here you go. Mm -hmm. And I've been given honest, honest to God over the last month, every single opportunity to act on my defects or do it differently. Mm -hmm. And it's because I'm so painfully aware of them now. And it's, it's, it's been a lot. Um, but I know that the purpose is so I can be a better human. Mm -hmm. Like just because I don't drink and use anymore doesn't take away all of the shit that I drank and used at mm -hmm. and for and because of mm -hmm. like, it's all still there. And you know, I spent a lot of money on therapy over the years and this program has given me more mm -hmm. than that ever did. Um, and yes, they're like therapy is amazing. I still have a therapist. It is incredible. But this program gives you, the blueprint of how to mm -hmm. live your life in a meaningful way and to not be an asshole mm -hmm. and to continuously work on yourself. And I do get resentful at my partner who is a normie and doesn't have to do all of these things. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, but he's not the alcoholic and the mm -hmm. addict. Um, so it's like a constant check-in and doing like my 10, I can, I can do it like throughout the day. I don't, I don't wait to do it at night. Like I used mm -hmm. to, um, when I, when I first got sober, like with my new sponsor, he'd like walked me through it. Um, I just do it throughout the day. Right. Um, and I really try not to hold on to shit because that keeps me sick. Um, and the anger 
is just like a, a useless emotion for me. It's drinking poison and expecting other people to get sick. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and like my part, oh God, ah, it is such, like it's a beautiful thing to be able to recognize your part. Sure. If anybody's struggling with that. Sure it is. It's really beautiful. <laughs> it's incredibly beautiful. You're going to love sucks, it. It sucks, but it's amazing. It. But it's amazing. <laughs> but you start to do it in everything. Absolutely everything. What is my part? What is my part? What is my part? Um, which even people at, like that I work with, and they don't know that I'm in recovery, but people that I work with, I'll be like, okay, like what is my part? And where were my expectations? Because expectations will always kick me in the ass because I always mm. have them. And I really have to work hard on that. Like I, I'm never going to do it hundred percent of the time. I highly doubt that I'm never going to have expectations of people, places and things, but, um, at least I'm aware of it. At least I know that I can do, I can do better and I can be an example, um, for other people in the rooms, for my niece and my nephews. My niece is super funny. She, lied to her mom about something and like pulled me in on it. And I was like, girl, come on. She's 14. She's super funny. Um, and then she was like, well, mom did this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh-uh. what's your part? <laughs> yeah. What's your part? You got to own your part. I was like, mom may have done A, B, C, and D, but what is your part? Mm-hmm. And she owned it. And I was super proud of her. And you know, like the fact that I'm able to talk to them about like, what's the difference between an apology and an amends mm. and, you know, they apologize a lot, <laughs> you know, like their, mm-hmm. their little brains aren't developed, but we talk a lot about stuff like that because it's, it's important. And I don't, I don't want them to not have those, those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, like their likelihood of developing an, an addiction is pretty friggin' high. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to be that example for them as well. Um, I had another point to that, but I don't remember what it was. Um, I, yeah, I am so grateful for AA. Um, I haven't sponsored yet. Somebody's on me about sponsoring. However. Somebody in this room, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a reason why I haven't, so. And just so you are aware out there, there is a definite peanut gallery here tonight we have a peanut gallery yeah, it's we the have, best that i'm trying not to look at because we have I'll a one cry. i know and i'm trying not to look either because i don't want to get distracted from you I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> peanuts over here expressive humor. oh i meant mostly darcy oh. the peanut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i i really wanted to also because i'm a perfectionist um i really wanted to go do my steps and do it like very by the book, through the book, through the 12 Mm. and 12, because I feel like, well, I know that these steps are so important that I would be doing a disservice to, to other people Mm. by being like, I am like, yes, my experience and my, my strength and my hope, like those are valuable, but I also want to be able to give back what was freely Mm. given to me and to be able to go through the book and say like, okay, here's where it is. And, and mm. the big book tells us and read page, you know, the second paragraph of page 417 and the end of 420, that's the dope shit. Read that. And, you know, like to be able to give that to people is something that I, that I really wanted. Mm. Um, and we're getting there. Well, I'm going to, you know, make my new list of amends and also a funny thing with an amends. So my ex partner I'd had on my, on my like four or five, seven, all my things. Mm. And, uh, I, 
I, he ended up messaging me on um, New Year's Eve. And I was like, this is fucking weird. About something like we had another dog together and there was something with the dog that he needed me to do. And I haven't spoken to him in years. And I was like, this is weird. And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, I'm just going to avoid this because I don't <laughs> want to make the amends. Because I didn't think, for a long time, I didn't think that I had to make one, right? But mm -hmm. when you get to look at your part and be like, mm, okay, yeah. It helps you be like a lot less angry about stuff, which is like also kind of nice. Um, it's super nice. It's super nice. To be honest, yeah. Right? Like it, yeah. it really like it takes away a lot of that <laughs> insanity yeah. of like, fuck you, man, man, you did me wrong, blah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. But what was it like? It takes, mm -hmm. it has for me anyway. It's taken away a lot of my anger. It helps balance out a lot of shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want, I wanted to avoid it, like the sweet good little alcoholic that I am. And uh, so I like pushed it out of my mind. And then I was like, this is weird. This is like literally six years to the day that was like the event of the demise in our relationship. And I was like, coincidence, which I don't believe in, mm -hmm. but that's what I was telling myself. And then my husband locked his keys in his car. And so I went up to like go get him and it was right by where we used to live, me and my ex. And I was like, okay. Mm. And then I, had to go get cigarettes and I was like, oh, I'll just like go this way, which is a way that I never go. And then we like drive by, I drive by this vet that we had taken our dog to on Chris or New Year's Eve, 10 years before that. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, okay, okay, I hear you, I hear you. <laughs> so I was like, fuck. So I prayed about it. I made the amends the next day, which like, was really freeing and really annoying at the same time, which mm -hmm. I'm like, it's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows as we go through it. Yeah, and, um, and if you think, and if people think about what they're doing, they they could figure that out. I hope. Totally, yeah. Right, because it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows no. all the time. No, totally. Sometimes people will tell you to fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious to see like how this next round is going to go because mm -hmm. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to, because <laughs> I was a fucking coward, I'll admit it, um, I had written uh, an email uh, uh, to somebody. Darcy, make a note. Make a note. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely start. Uh, uh, somebody who was very close to me, and I, like, we were very close. I was a fucking mess, and she didn't want anything to do with me anymore, mm. and fair enough, and I was, like, so full of shame. Um, that I just fell off the face of the earth. And I have, I dream about her all the mm -hmm. time to this day. I always dream about her. And I knew she had a baby and like all of these things. So I dream about her and her baby quite often. Um, and so I, it was like, yeah, you can totally do an email amends. And I was like, sweet. I'm gonna of course I'm going to capitalize on that. Absolutely. I don't have to be accountable face to face with somebody. <laughs> Fill your boots I, I, right I, I, on. I like where your head's at. Absolutely. Sweet little <laughs> alcoholic. Um, I could appreciate that. Totally. So I did, and I was just like, okay, it's out of my hands. It's done. Mm -hmm. It's not. It never will be until I have that face-to-face. -face. Mm. Um, and I know that. And so I've prayed a lot about it that, you know, if I'm given that opportunity to do it face-to-face, -face, I really yeah. want that um, because she deserves that. And I know, like, we want to, like, we don't want to feel pain. We don't want to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do any of that. That's why we drank and used for so long. Mm -hmm. But we get a second chance at life 
and to be able to like give somebody, whether they, if they tell us to fuck off, if mm -hmm. they want nothing to do with us, if they're like, yeah, like let's be besties again mm -hmm. and you don't want that or whatever that needs to look like, the dignity to give that to somebody um, so they can put it to rest mm -hmm. um, because it's not, that amends isn't about us, it's about them. And I wanna give that to her. And that's um, why we don't email them. Exactly. That's right. Because 100%. It's, it's not about us. It's about, it's about them. It's about them. And I made it about me, 100%. Yeah. So if given that opportunity, absolutely. Like I, mm. you know, I've prayed about it a lot in terms of like what I need to do for that. It'll come. Um, well, and one of, the, one of the benefits about becoming willing is that the willingness that we can engage in opens our heart, right? Totally. Like just being willing, just being mm -hmm. willing to face them and say whatever, right? But mm -hmm. being willing to face them, it just opens our heart and softens it, right? Totally. And if we, so when people, when I talk to people about doing that step eight, the list, it's always like, just be as thorough as you can. Mm -hmm. Because the more willing you are to, to you may never make them, mm -hmm. but the more willing you are to make them to people that you don't like, man, it's powerful shit. Totally. It changes our insides, mm -hmm. man, when we start thinking about that willingness, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's vital. Yeah, the willingness piece is like, it blows me away mm -hmm. because I think like, it's like, yeah, I'm willing. Oh, did my ball fall off? It did on my piercing. Whoops. Um, I think the willingness piece, like what you can say you're willing, but to be truly willing mm -hmm. and to like literally experience that when you have that connection with your higher power and you're able to like really move through those pieces is like, It's like a breath of relief and it's also like, I feel like somebody is squeezing my heart at all times right now because nobody said that the willingness and all of these pieces was gonna be easy. Mm -hmm. um, oh, shit, that it no. was gonna be pain-free. Yeah. Um, but I've been in pain before, yeah. you know, I've survived 100% of the things that have happened. Mm -hmm. um, maybe like not necessarily unscathed, but I've survived. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's a trip. Like I was, I can cry now also, which mm -hmm. is like, <laughs> I don't think I was, I thought that I would ever be able to do that for my, like to feel my mm -hmm. feelings and to cry. I can cry for other people hundred yeah. percent. Like the empath in me is alive and well, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm really able to do that and to feel other people, but to feel myself, mm -hmm. I never thought that I would be able to do that again or I don't know if I ever really did. It's um, a beautiful thing when you can. It's insane. Yeah. Like I cried today and mm -hmm. I was just like, it's weird. Like it's. Yeah, it was a pretty emotional day all day. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mercury's in retrograde and shit too. Oh, so yes. Jeez. God, just pile Pluto's it on. Pluto's in Aquarius. Just pile it on. <laughs> right? Like there's a whole bunch of things happening, right? And it's hard to not like get bogged down by it, like mm -hmm. other, the external things, right? Yeah. Um, it is, it can be really hard to do that, but. But I think like what you, something you said, which really does kind of speak to that. It's hard not to get bogged down, but when we do things just out of love as best we can, right? And, and we approach them with just like as, as open a heart as we can, yeah. right? Like for other people mm -hmm. and keeping other people in mind. I, I don't know, I think we, not only can we do all kinds of hard shit yeah. and make it through because we're being abused to others and naturally they are being abused to us, mm -hmm. just that symbiotic relationship. Um, it's, it's powerful stuff, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's, to me, that's one of the most solid things about the 12-step fellowships is that that person-to-person -person piece, right? Oh, Where there's, there's nobody in between. 
which is, again, not to bring up the Catholic Church, there's nobody in between you and God, right? Mm-hmm. Like, nothing has to be between us. Like, and, and, and to me, where that, that God splits off from all the religion is right there, mm-hmm. right, is there's nothing needed mm-hmm. for God. And, and it's just, it's unfortunate that a lot of us didn't learn that the first thing, right? That we're having to learn this now where from humans who ob- absolutely understand the relationship between earth yeah, and God, absolutely. right? The relationship mm-hmm. as opposed to this like big daddy in the clouds or whatever people totally. call it, sky, sky daddy. daddy. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's na- it's nauseating because it just, I think it's kind of insulting like mm. for humans because mm-hmm. like we are complex animals, but... At our core, we are animals, nonetheless, right? Mm-hmm. And man, they—the powers that be—have really worked hard to make us hate each other. Hey, like oh, they, yeah. they just keep fucking plummeting on to pile it on, like you know. Well, it's our like that free will piece, you know. Like yeah. it's really interesting how humans have interpreted things the way that mm-hmm. meets their own selfish needs and ends, right? Selfish needs and ends. Because we are, like, I am, like, if somebody had told me that I was manipulative and selfish, like, two years ago, three years ago, Mm -hmm. I would have, like, been mortally wounded, probably would have punched (laughs) them in the face, like, it would have been, like, horrendous, but I'm like, no, I am those things, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Totally. Like, I'm not a bad person. Um, My husband, I said to him, I was like, I'm manipulative, and he's like, do you manipulate me? I'm like, yeah, I do. 100% 100% and we mm. need to talk about what that looks like. Like mm. we really wanted to get <laughs> we wanted to get a dog. Yeah. And then I'm like showing him pictures and I'm like zooming in on their sweet faces <laughs> and I was like this is literally me manipulating you right now and mm. he's like Ooh. and I was like but you need to be I him and I had a conversation about my defects that mm. I was like here it is. This is what it looks like and I think it's important that we have this conversation. Um and he's been incredibly supportive of my recovery and has like come to meetings and my birthdays and puts up with me and my crazy ass and is just like, what do you need? And he's like, call your sponsor. I'm like, mm. call him later. And he's like, fucking call him now. I'm like, okay. Um, because I, I need that too, right? Mm. Um, but I'm like, yeah, here's all my shit and you love me anyway. I was like, I'm still the person you married. Like mm. that hasn't changed. Now I'm just like a lot more aware of, mm. of the things um, and how I can like give back to other people. Um, I know when I need to like get out of self. Mm. Um, that is like, will be, it'll be painful, painfully apparent when I do. Yeah. Um, and then I'll go to a meeting and it's like, we're going to do step seven. I'm like, fucking, of course we are. Like a little sprinkle of humility mm-hmm. here and there. Like, and if we pay attention, like. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm sorry. This selfish asshole right here does not want to talk about that shit. <laughs> right. I was like, Come yeah. on. I'd rather live in my shit. Thank totally. You yeah. I want to like sit in my self-righteous <laughs> bubble. Thank you so much. And not have to look at any of my stuff. Yeah. Um, I yeah. want to sit like the monkey I am and throw my shit everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good time. Yeah, it's throw a good time. my feces. Yeah, seriously. Okay, on that yeah. note, I'm just kidding. Yeah. What what time are we at, dude? Okay, right on. Right on. How do you feel? Good. Do you feel like there's more you want to share? No, I think okay. that's where we're at. Um, yeah. It felt natural. Like yeah. It had kind of like plateaued a little bit. I like the plateau. I do too. It's a good time. It is good. We talked about some like fun political things, which is always a good time. Super fun. One thing I wanted to just like, not, I don't know what the right word is to use, but I just wanted to talk about, even though you were practicing and you were working in the field, that doesn't mean you were less of a worker. Mm -hmm. 
I just want to make sure that's clear. Like, because it's not, that. we're not less of people mm -mm. because we use or drink. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't make us less. It, we're incredibly valuable whether we're sober or not because we're humans, right? Absolutely. And and so, I don't know. I feel probably me, I needed to remind myself of that today maybe. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that you're not a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. You never were a piece of shit. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate that. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was an honor to get to know you. Right back at you. And, of course, before we go off, before you turn that off, I want to ask these two on the record if they'll come on the podcast. Yeah, come on the podcast. <laughs> Would either of you be interested in that? Papa Pete. <laughs>